This is Marketing Jam, a show featuring the brightest minds in marketing. As we get going into our show, I want to talk about SEO quickly. This whole search engine optimization thing. People are frustrated by it, confused by it, and probably not really getting the straight goods about how it works. Back when we outsource our SEO, we're often confused when we get the reports back. It seemed like a dark art. They were rubbing some sort of oil on our websites and supposedly magic was happening. When we started using AREFs, it was a game changer. The reports we got, the clarity on site ranking for terms, and really the transparency and understanding between off-site and on-site SEO was really helpful. Today, for all of our clients, we provide HREFs reporting and use the tool to audit sites. It's the premier SEO tool and you can have the confidence you're getting the top quality tool that provides incredible support and resources to help you with your SEO for your brand or the clients you work with. Check out arefs.com today. Thanks everyone for joining us this week on Marketing Jam. I am so thrilled uh, to have a second timer on the show. It doesn't often happen on Marketing Jam that we have someone come again uh, on the show, uh, but our guest is a incredible thought leader uh, wealth of wisdom and experience uh, in the marketing industry. So uh, without further ado, Leanne, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And I think it's a really good sign to have a repeat visitor. It is. It is. It is. Um, so uh, since the show, uh, you've been on before, and you can and watch the previous show, just look it up in the archives. Um, tell me what you've been up to. And, and really, for those that have yet to hear your original show, how did you get to the place where you are today? Sure. I mean, I've been at Facebook and Instagram Canada for almost two years, but I th if I think about sort of my journey and, and how I got here, I started my career um, years ago uh, in advertising and media. I worked for a newspaper, actually, the Financial Post, and digital was just starting to surface and emerge. And I saw it as an opportunity for rapid growth in terms of, of learning. So I made a move to excite.ca. I don't know if you remember excite. It was a joint yes, venture I with did, Rogers, one of the original garage Silicon Valley stories. Um, I spent about a year at excite before moving and spending years at Yahoo followed by AOL, Twitter, and, and now Facebook. And, and the learning has never stopped. That, that is incredible. And, and maybe as far as like people who want to kind of follow where you've gone, what was the kind of the schooling or kind of the foundation to what, what got you to where you are? I think, um, I, I mean, I went to Queen's University and did a degree in geography and politics. That was sort of table stakes to, to start my career. What it's really been is leaning in and always learning. As I said, like mm -hmm. digital, I thought, oh, you know, there's there's so much to learn here. Um, and I think sometimes we think we lean in, learn, and then we're good. And in the space that is digital that has continued to evolve with innovation, technology, it's constant learning. And also sometimes it's also about being uncomfortable because that's when growth happens. Mm -hmm. So I would say the recipe for me in my journey has been that constant leaning in and learning and then having moments where I, I'm uncomfortable, whether it's yeah. getting up on a stage and speaking, um, you know, meeting a very senior client and presenting a, a business opportunity, whatever it might be. I think when we're uncomfortable, it's our moment of growth. That's great. That's great wisdom. And, and yeah, I, I love that. Get uncomfortable and learn. That's awesome. Um, changes in the industry. You, you've seen it. You, you, I love that you've been there since Excite. You remember you were there at AOL. Um, what are you seeing with, with both on the consumer side, on the business side, and especially in kind of this new normal? What are some of the trends you're watching? 
Oh, right. New normal. Um, well, there's a lot. Um, but let's start with on the consumer side, the consumer landscape. Our connected world has given people infinite choice and total control over what they watch, what they read, what they interact with, and how they buy. And we, and I'm going to put myself in the in the consumer's shoes, we uh, as consumers expect things to be tailored to our taste in the formats we prefer. I mean, really, people are in control and expect more relevant and more personal experiences than ever before. And the reality is right now, people are forming new habits. With COVID-19, shop, shoppers are purchasing online, many for the first time. I keep thinking of my parents. I never thought I'd see them buy groceries online. Um, we know that one in four shoppers have bought a product online for the first time, and close to half of those first-time buyers um, thought it was a great experience and preferred it to in-store. Um, the increase in availability and use of curbside pickup um, and what we call BOPIS, buy online, pick up in store, um, has increased dramatically year over year, also as a result uh, of the pandemic. And, you know, this is a trend that many of us thought would take three to five years, and it's happened in a few short months. Um, mm. I mean, there are still many questions around the fragile consumer psyche and how brands can plan for all of this unpredictability. Um, but two major needs that we anticipate will continue longer term. One is the need to drive to what we're calling near store traffic. So delivery, the, the BOPIS, buy online, pick up in store and contactless curbside pickup, and also the need for brands to invest in commerce. Mm -hmm. um, services continue to change in our rapidly changing environment, making it critical to communicate with consumers in a scalable efficient and timely way at an individual store level. So whether that's regional, national, it helps build trust and highlight what you're doing to keep them safe um, from an employee standpoint, mm -hmm. and also to be informed around how they want to shop. Um, mm -hmm. And you can do this on Facebook. We let people know what's happening at their local store by communicating hyper local store updates at scale, whether that's changing hours. And many of us have seen this in the last few mm -hmm. months. Yeah. Um, to services available and, and scheduling. Yeah. 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 And, and great insights into kind of where commerce is going. Now, do you think these changes are permanent or do you think these are just here for this season? I think a lot of things um, will continue to change. I don't know if we're going back to, um, you know, whatever we would call normal. Uh, I think there's just a new normal that involves a lot of change. Um, more than ever though, like the truly great marketers know their customer and they anticipate their needs. Um, I would imagine that people listening to this podcast uh, are likely already leading into a digital first approach. Mm -hmm. um, Canadians are highly digitally penetrated, um, mm -hmm. but this is an incredible stat. Only 40% of Canadian businesses have an e-commerce website. Wow. Um, I know. I, I'm so surprised by that, by that stat. Um, consumers expect all brands to be omni-channel, but particularly now, they expect them to have a frictionless commerce experience. And when I say frictionless, mm. I, what I really mean is a seamless experience. Mm. Um, we're seeing an urgent imperative to accelerate the pace of e-commerce adoption, not only in Canada, but around the world, as consumers' expectations have accelerated exponentially. Um, you know, as a result of COVID, we've seen tenures of digital transformation um, mm. that we've been talking to so many of our partners about take place in just the span of a few months. Um, oh, wow. 
And the trend is really driven by what consumers expect. I feel like mm-hmm. I keep using that word expect, but it is for us as consumers. And at, at Facebook, we see four themes, really. Uh, yeah. One is discovery, it's immediacy, it's personalization, and it's safety mm-hmm. and security. And I just, I'd like to dive into what I really mean by each of those themes just briefly. Please, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we think about discovery, it's you know how people discover products has changed. Rather than going to a physical store, people and brands are sharing and discovering products all day, every day on social platform. That looks like a brand sharing an item that might fulfill a need you have or a friend sending you a message about a product they think you might like. Uh, We know that just over 50% of online brand discovery happens in public social feeds. Mm -hmm. And then there's immediacy. And I'm going to use that word again, expectations. People's expectations around convenience have changed. They do expect immediacy. In many ways, if we think about it, it's never been easier to buy something. Anything can be purchased anytime with a click of a button and a crab at your door, sometimes within hours. Yeah. I know I love getting packages. Um, and because people have come to expect a quick and easy experience, um, they will leave if they don't get that. Now, there's a term that we talk about a lot. It's called cart abandonment. Hmm. And this happens when someone doesn't have a good experience uh, and ties back when he's that word frictionless. People want a yeah. frictionless, easy, good experience. But uh, cart abandonment accounts for at least 50% of attrition from the purchase funnel, costing e-marketers between two and four trillion dollars a year. Wow. That so the need for a frictionless mobile experience is is key for all brands. I'm sure if everyone just stops and thinks for a second, there's probably a time where all of us have done the cart abandonment because it wasn't a straightforward, seamless process. Or the shipping was like, whoa. <laughs> and that too. Like, what? <laughs> um, and then there's personalization. Uh, if we think about the mass adoption of services like Netflix and Spotify, yeah, yeah, they have yeah. created a new expectation for one to one personalization. Mm-hmm. Netflix personalization engine is so good that yeah. almost 80% of the shows and movies viewed on the platform are based on their recommendations, not our own. Yeah. So think about it, it's one less decision to make in a day, yeah. thanks to Netflix. Yeah. Um, but it's not just Netflix that you know um, gives us the appreciation for personalization. Over 90% of consumers say they are more likely to shop with brands that provide offers and recommendations mm-hmm. that are relevant to them. Yeah. Key being relevancy. Totally. I often get, um, one of the ways I most discover brands, funny enough, in the last two weeks I thought about it, I get tagged in a Facebook post. Just today, I was tagged in a Facebook post for a bike rack, and I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, relevancy. Relevancy, it's very important. Um, And the last is is safety and security. When people shop online, they want to know that their payment information is kept safe. Um, Globally, the statistic is 65% of online shoppers express extreme concern about data privacy, and half uh, say they will pay more for a product if they have that assurance of quality and safety. So that will continue to be very important. And with with all these trends that you're seeing, how do you think marketing is going to change? Where do you think marketing is headed? Well, um, that is a big question. So mm-hmm. there is so much going on in the industry and so many moving pieces and how, what will this look like in 12 months in 24, 36? Um, 
I do know that marketers are thinking about what consumers and brands need to do to shape the future. Yeah. And, and it really stems back to, to, you know, the four consumer themes that I just talked about, the discovery, the immediacy, personalization, and the safety and security. So if e-commerce is about search and purchasing through a site, yeah. people are limited to finding the products they already know they want. So we yeah. think about that. When we go to purchase through a, a search lens, we're, we're looking for something we already know we want. Yeah. With discovery commerce, products find people. Mm-hmm. That's different. Products find mm-hmm. people so they can discover the things that they most likely that they're most likely to love. Um, our platform, Facebook, was built not not to only fulfill customer needs, but to anticipate them. Yeah. So driving discovery for people and generating demand for business. Um, for years, businesses have built and grown uh, upon our platform because of our ability to connect products to people. Yeah. Um, but that's where Facebook shops um, come in. People already buy and sell on hmm. Facebook and Instagram. So it's natural to turn to these platforms to help businesses quickly shift to e-commerce. Um, a few months ago, we announced a new way for business, any business to set up mm-hmm. a virtual storefront for free. And that's using Facebook shops. So the idea is that a seller, whether it's a major global brand or yep. a very local um, small shop, can create a customizable virtual store where you can browse products uh, that will be curated based on your personal taste. Um, you'll be able to use Messenger or WhatsApp, which you already use on a regular yeah. basis It's in our family of apps, to interact with a store associate for advice or information. Um, and then you can click on whatever you want to buy and pay for it without having to enter new details every time. So each of these actions, yes, each of these actions take place within the virtual store. So wow. again, it, it, it addresses that it's removing friction for shoppers and making it very easy for them to discover um, and, and buy new products. And this is a really positive step uh, because people people's online shopping experiences really to date have been about bouncing between websites, yeah. pages, applications. Um, and when we think that shopping online should be more like shopping in a physical store, and businesses now can make that happen at a time when it's really important to both businesses uh, and their and their customers. So uh, we started to roll out our Facebook shops earlier this year in the spring in the U.S., and it will be more widely available in the coming months. Uh, but I'm really excited for the opportunities this will present um, to open up that discovery and shopping. That's incredible. I, I was um, using the Facebook Messenger with, with the Whistler. Uh, bike park and say, hey, are you guys open on the 12th or does it close on the 12th? Because it said on their website, done on the 12th. And I got a response right away. She said, yeah, we're open on the 12th. Uh, would you like to purchase a ticket? I said, yes. And she said, okay, go to this website. And I was like, ah, I got to go to the site. I got to put it away. But if she said, would you like to you know, make a purchase now? And my credit card was in there. And I said, yes. And then it emailed it to me. That would have been amazing. Or it texts me the tickets. It's it's that it's again. It goes back to all of us. We have immediacy. Mm-hmm. We have very high expectations. We want to be in control of the process and journey, and it's got to be frictionless. Yeah. So, Leanne, thank you. One day, I will be able to maybe next summer just get get it right through Messenger. That'd be amazing. Thanks. Hey, so, are you having trouble tracking inbound phone calls from your website or ads? CallRail gives you the call tracking you need to measure the success of your marketing efforts in real time. Discover how many calls you receive from your Google ads, organic searches, social media efforts, and so much more. But that's not the only reason we use CallRail. CallRail seamlessly integrates your call and conversion data with over 700 marketing tools and platforms, including Google Analytics and Salesforce, to fuel deeper insights, 
automatically. Start your free trial today with CallRail. Okay, um, so here's a big question. That sounds amazing, by the way. I'm so excited for this to come out and, and to use it and to see our clients uh, use it. Um, how does it look like and what does it look like for these small businesses and business owners to learn this stuff and all the capabilities they want to have and all the resources they need? What's the best way for them to access it? Uh, there, it, it's an excellent question, and this is something that's really important. Is number one, making sure that the small businesses understand what's available mm -hmm. from a resource standpoint, and then also mm -hmm. some of the digital skills and, and training required. So, I'll speak to a few of them, um, and mm -hmm. I do think as a follow up, we'll we'll be sending some of these to you, Darian, to, to share yeah. along. Um, but for example, we have a, a partnership um, with Coursera. So this program provides mm -hmm. job seekers comprehensive workforce development mm -hmm. experience to prepare learners with the necessary skills they need to start careers in social media marketing. Wow. Um, and then connects them to uh, employer partners who are hiring. So it's a 100-hour program that trains learners in overview skills like reporting, um, you know, a full suite of applied social media marketing skills for Facebook and our family of apps, but also for other platforms, including YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, Pinterest. Wow. Um, the course also teaches soft skills like digital marketing in a business context, yeah. as well as presentation and interview skills. Um, but this is about supporting alternative pathways into the marketing industry, this, this mm -hmm. partnership specifically. We know that higher education is prohibitive to many and particularly those from underrepresented backgrounds. And as such, we wanna provide alternative but equally robust pathways into, this in, into our industry. Yeah. Uh, we also know that while consumer spending is beginning to re-emerge worldwide, unemployment continues to remain much too high. And you know, really as one of the largest marketing platforms in the world, yeah, truly believe it's our responsibility to provide the tools and skills to support uh, job seekers. That is that is one opportunity. Um, we also have scholarships. We're giving 100,000 scholarships to black students working towards digital, digital skills certification through our Facebook Blueprint program. Yeah, amazing. And this is in addition to our code forward and tech prep programs that offer resources and support to help underrepresented communities get started um, in computer science and programming. Um, but two other uh, resources I just wanted to mention for a broader um, audience. One is um, we launched Boost My Business Show. So Boost My Business um, tells the stories of small biz business resilience and creative problem solvings. You know, it's following eight small businesses who are growing online and you know you can see these inspiring business owners find new and easy ways to stay in touch with their customers um, even while their doors have been closed um, but lastly i really want to encourage um, anyone listening who is growing um, a small business to join um, our boost with facebook canada group this is where we put all the latest information um, tips, best practices, mm -hmm. and you can also ask specific, even account level questions to moderators uh, within the group uh, to help you get everything you need. So I really recommend it as an incredible resource to anyone with a small business. That's amazing. And someone who, myself, who has an agency, I, one of the things I love is when we get job applications that come in, you guys have set the gold standard as far as Facebook Blueprint. If they've got their certificate, um, and, and it's free online to do it. You, you just pay if you want to get the actual certificate. I, I know that they are a professional. I know that they've been certified. Much like electricians, they, you get tickets. And much like 
certification. It's been an incredible certification program. So thank you for doing that. Oh, no, our pleasure. And I just, I really want to make sure that everyone knows uh, what's available because our, the resources are very robust. Yeah. And, and people, you know, we often get asked, like, as a student or as someone who's kind of entering to the new job place, what should I do? And we always point people towards get your Google certificates, get your Facebook blueprint. And those are the standards. Uh, almost like a second language, right? You want to work in government, you got to have a second language like French, but you know, you want to work in digital marketing, you need your analytics and your blueprint certificates. It's important. Yeah. 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 So I feel like we need to address brand boycott this summer, which included several large global brands. Uh, can you talk about how Facebook has responded to brand concerns and why you think Facebook remains a good platform for brands? Absolutely. Um, now, let me start by saying that a lot of the work we're doing from a product policy and with our partners, we this has been work um, that's been years in the making. Um, we are incredibly focused on the important work we're continuing to do to remove hate speech mm -hmm. and providing critical voting information. Yeah. Uh, our number one priority on our platform is to keep people safe. And we have zero tolerance for hate speech. However, zero tolerance does not mean zero occurrences. Mm. Um, if we pull our most recent progress numbers, we know that 95% of content we remove for violating our hate speech policies is detected by our own systems before mm. it's ever reported to us. So what that means is 95% of the content is never um, reported by anyone. We see it, we pull it down ourselves. 95% is great, but there's more work to be done. And, and we know yeah. that. What's really important for us, for our, our partners, um, the third parties that we work with, is to continue to show progress. Now, mm. I can tell you that the European Commission's recent report on hate speech calls out that Facebook is reviewing reports of hate speech quicker than before, deleting more of it, and doing it transparently. And the transparency part is very important. We are absolutely committed to continuing to make significant product investments to tackle mm. hate. And also on the policy side, we're constantly reviewing and evolving our policies and reassessing mm. to make sure we're drawing the right lines. For example, uh, in August of this year, we expanded our policy to address organizations and movements that have demonstrated significant risk to public safety. As a result, we are taking action against Facebook pages, groups, mm -hmm. Instagram accounts that are tied to offline anarchist groups that support violent acts and its mm -hmm. protests um, and US-based militia organizations. Um, more relevantly in Canada, uh, we announced a partnership with Ontario Tech University Center mm -hmm. on Hate biased and extremists to launch the global network against hate. Yeah. Now this is a five year um, program, $500,000 has gone towards it to help advance the center's work researching violent extremists based mm. on ethnic, race, gender, and other forms of prejudice, mm. including how it spreads and, and how mm. to stop it. So um, there's no question, we must make progress carefully and, and mm. thoughtfully Mm -hmm. to ensure well-intentioned systems do not end up taking down legitimate counter speech. Yeah. We really believe that free expression is integral to democracy yeah. and we take our responsibilities to protect it very seriously. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you though, that our conversations with marketers, you know, um, some of them that did participate in the uh, boycott this past summer and civil rights organization is all around um, how together we can be a force for good and we know our path forward is to continue mm -hmm. to work with our partners and third parties to ensure both accountability and transparency around everything that we do. 
um, we've made progress, but we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, and I, I love what you said at the end there uh, as a force for good. I think Facebook for years has been that um, instigator, you know, whether it was Sevenly, the reason their success was to do with Facebook, the WestJet uh, Christmas video that we've all seen here in Canada it went viral on Facebook. Like it, it was the reason that so many good things have gone viral because of the Facebook platform. Oh, there's no question. There's a lot of good on the platform. Yeah. So um, my wife and I um, subscribe to a physical newspaper that comes to our house every Saturday morning. Um, uh, we don't get we don't get it every day, but every Saturday we get the Globe and Mail and we, we open it up. Um, and, and a few weeks ago I was opening up and there was a full page um, update that Facebook has invested in journalists and you're investing in Canadian news. Uh, why don't you tell us about that? Absolutely. Let me start by saying, uh, Darren, we care deeply about Canadian journalism and its future. Yeah. And it's why we continue to invest in programs and partnerships to mm -hmm. help news organizations build more sustainable mm -hmm. business models. Um, we've been working with Canadian publishers and supporting news innovations for many years now. Um, this would include digi the Digital News Innovation Challenge a couple of years ago in 2018 yeah. Yeah. and the local news accelerators last year, as well as providing seed funding to partners to experiment with video and training opportunities for journalists across the country. Um, over the past three years, we have invested nearly $9 million in partnerships and programs to encourage and support the development of sustainable business models for news organizations in our country. Um, in March of this year, we provided grants to 81 Canadian newsrooms, and that was part of our COVID-19 emergency relief efforts. Um, but what we announced um, this summer in June, we announced the Facebook Journalism Project. This is the Canadian Press News Fellowship. And what it is, it's a one-year, $1 million program that will create eight new journalism roles to cover press issues in local communities all across the country. Yeah, it's incredible. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's, it's amazing. Um, shifting gears here, um, advice. Leanne, what's your advice to brands today? If you could, you know, brands are listening. We got thousands of them across the country listening in. We got agencies listening in of what their brand could and should be doing. Well, what's your advice for, for those today? Oh, so many things. Um, mm -hmm. Firstly, this is no surprise, but market recovery is going to be sector by sector, region by region. I don't think it's fair to say that as a society as a whole, um, we will be changed coming out of, out of the pandemic. I, I heard from an economist that came to speak to us a few months ago, and he compared it to anyone um, that um, lived through the depression. It changed their behaviors, the way they made decisions. Um, so I think there's no question that there will be longstanding changes uh, that we still haven't yet identified. Um, but what I would say as advice is to really take the time to rethink your model. Your model. Mm -hmm. Take the time to think your through your model. Critically challenge your business model and truly understand where you add value. How are you thinking about embracing mm -hmm. commerce for your business, for your brand? Uh, and, and it's a hard thing to do. Uh, you know, we did it um, at Facebook this year. We looked at some of the things we were doing. It's like, well, this is the plan. We spend so much time mm -hmm. on the plan. But I think it's important to step back and, and pay attention and educate yourself on, on where some of these trends are really going and, and which ones are supported by data. Um, because there are a lot of opportunities to pivot and do it differently. And, and for some businesses, this could be a silver lining in terms of creating more efficiencies in their business. And commerce is certainly one of those. Um, 
My point being, we we can't wait and just see how it happens and maybe it goes back to normal. We have to lean in and anticipate and educate ourselves. That's awesome. More broadly, as we look forward, there's still so much we don't know, but what I do feel confident in, in, in saying, embrace digital transformation. Hmm. And in particular, the acceleration e-commerce. E you know, I mentioned this already, we've seen roughly 10 years of adoption compressed hmm. into a few months. Yeah. Um, and contactless commerce will also accelerate. You know, this is the curbside pickups and the BOPIS, buy online pickup in stores. Um, new, new service models will continue to emerge based on needs. Um, and it's important to be able to shift quickly to meet those. You know, we believe that large incumbent brands will likely act more quickly and decisively um, as a result of the disruption we're living in. And then as it relates to work, uh, working remotely will simply become work. So how can that impact yeah. your business? Yeah, so many things to, to think about. Leanne, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I want to know about just personally, um, books you'd recommend, apps that you just say, man, you've got to check out this app. Uh, life hacks, podcasts that you'd recommend? Sure. Well, when I think of apps, I mean, obviously the Facebook family of apps um, are, are a staple, a daily staple for me. Uh, I'm going to share a life hack. Um, and this might not seem like an, a life hack, but I'm an early riser. I like to get up mm -hmm. at, at 5 a.m. every day. And I love to tell my family I am exceptional in the morning. I wake up with energy and a positive mindset. It's me at, at my best. So I design what I do in the morning based on that, whether it's you know, prepping the day, prepping meals. I love to exercise, go for a run. I do my best thinking. Um, so, you know, I'll also send a couple emails on email that I think about sending the night before and I'm tired. Not a good idea. I wait for the morning. Um, but what, what I'm really saying is it's a, it's a skill to tap into when and why we're at our best and then make the most mm -hmm. of it. So I sort of shift my day around, okay, if I'm my best in my morning and I know that I am, I'm going to make sure I'm doing the most important things and making big decisions in the morning. So that's sort of been my life hack. Um, I finished a book that I, I really enjoyed recently. It's called Hidden Valley Road. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with it. No. It's, um, it's been a mid-century American family that has 12 children and six of the children are diagnosed with schizophrenia. So the family becomes science's great hope in the quest to better understand the disease and uh, it just, you know, spoke to so many things, um, mental illness, the stigma that goes with it, um, how the lack of funding, um, just so many things that have yet to be properly supported and true empathy for people that suffer uh, and mm -hmm. for caregivers that support people who struggle with their mental health. Uh, I am a mental health advocate. Um, I, I try to support many organizations um, here in Canada and locally, you know, the awareness and the financial support and the stigma that still exists is so unfortunate. Um, I do work with the Maddie Project, which focuses on youth that struggle with their mental health. And, you know, when you think of youth, sometimes you think of a child that's labeled as having bad behavior or being a poor student, when truthfully, there can be something much bigger um, below the surface um, that hasn't been identified. Mm -hmm and that's their mental health. Um, we know we do a lot of work with Kids Help Phone uh, at Facebook and their stats very early on in the pandemic mm -hmm. showed that they had more than doubled the calls and texts mm -hmm. um, 
from you. So no, it was a, it was a really good book with a lot of interesting facts that I think mm -hmm. most people aren't aware of. And it just um, provided a lot of empathy for anyone who struggles with their mental health. Wow. Leanne, uh, thank you so much for sharing today. Um, just such encouraging uh, insights, helpful feedback. Uh, again, we're going to put all the links in the show notes here. So those that want to dig deeper into those resources and, and education opportunities. And I love to see how much Facebook and Instagram Canada are working to be a force for good uh, for so many good things across our country. Yes, it's my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Leanne. Thanks so much. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week on Marketing Jam. Um, make sure you check out the show notes. You can check out Leanne's previous episode by just looking in the archives. Uh, and we'll see you next week on The Jam. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.